0: Oh, Ramoy, how are you, my friend?
1: What's up, my guy? Uh, I'm, I'm living the dream. It's been a, it's been a year. It's been a, a week, a month, a year. It's been something. It's been a
0: while. It's been a minute, for sure. It's been quite the, quite the year. Hey, Charlie's turning 10 years old today. And I think it's a good time to have a conversation about, you know, S-E-X. So me and one of our producers, Ramoy Phillip, got a drink a virtual drink to talk and laugh about sex ed. Sorry I'm I'm running late because I, I had to have this conversation with my nephew and uh he's uh he, he's he was getting the sex talk, you know? <laughs> and it good was times. It, it was it was an interesting one, it was a good one, and uh man, ten years old. Like like I had to do the sex talk at ten. ten years old.
1: Ten. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he was ten. Ten,
1: was ten, 10. years old. Yeah. When did you get the sex talk? Not 10 years old. I can explicitly (laughs) remember it was not 10. I remember, I do remember when I was younger and whether this is me being, so I was born in 1984, but being like a child of the nineties and of a generation, but also of a culture. Mm. Like I remember, like, I don't remember the exact details of this part, but like, I remember it was like my mom and her sisters and brothers, like family was around. So my mom and her aunts and uncle my aunts and uncles were sitting around and something and it came up casually of like so who's gonna like how who's gonna teach him about sex referencing me mm-hmm. and my mom was like well he just watches TV and movies like that's fine enough I remember that and I was just like yes <laughs> but I don't really know and that failed miserably because I didn't teach like, I, I saw boobs yeah I saw, I saw things yeah. I like seeing but I had no idea anything about sex yeah I know
0: And let's be real here. Nobody that I know had a good first sex ed talk. We all had real awkward moments where an adult tries to sit us down and tells us that our body is changing. Or maybe we learned it from school where they showed us dated footage of people talking about puberty, you know, from like the 70s. Or maybe, and I've heard this before, this is real. They had a footage of two animals having sex and then said, yeah that's how it's like wild (laughs) how did we as a society mess this up so much how did we take a very fundamental part of human life our sexuality and teach it like we were scared of it or treat it like a side dressing when in many cases it's the main meal this is especially true for young men who at about the age of 10 are starting to think about their own sexuality This is modern manhood. And you're listening to episode five of our seven part series titled How to Be a Man. Today we're going to talk about sex, and in particular, how we learn about sex. If you want to listen to our past episodes, go check them out. No, seriously, this will still be waiting for you here.
2: My name is Roger Delbar, and I'm from Edmonton, Alberta.
0: Roger's one of our members of the Next Gen Men's Inner Circle. An online forum for people who support Next Gen Men. Hey, you can go check it out if you want to. It's nextgenmen.ca slash join, just letting you know it's still there. So when I asked the group of people there, what was their sexual education like, Roger had a good story.
2: Well, you know, there wasn't any sex education books. It was books that talked about sex. My older brother had some uh uh, naturalist magazines, nature magazines, nudity, nude magazines. They were kind of they were kind of European, and uh, uh, so they depicted people in the nude and enjoying the sun and stuff like that. Although they, I think they were sort of soft core porn, to tell you the truth. Even to the point where you know I kind of looked at the men in them and uh, their penises, and I thought, gee, that penis doesn't look like my penis. You know, is there something wrong with me? Uh, and I, eventually I realized that, uh, I was circumcised and they weren't. Roger was
0: missing so much context from looking at those magazines, especially around your body and what is considered normal. And man, I can't even imagine what kind of questions you would have had, especially if you consider what kind of formal sex education Roger got later in life.
2: We're, we'd gather in this big auditorium and we were told, uh, The girls all to sit on one side and the boys all to sit on the other. So somebody introduced something or other. I can't remember what exactly it was. But then uh, I remember this retractable uh, curtain that started to come across the auditorium to separate the girls on the one side and the boys on the other. This
0: happened when Roger was in grade nine, so 14 years old, already reading magazines already asking questions about himself, and already learning that there is a hidden conversation about sex he was not privy to. The curtain coming down between men and women and what he was quote unquote, allowed to know versus what he shouldn't know, but would yet find out.
3: My name is Shafia Zaloum and I am a health educator who specializes in healthy sexuality and relationship education. Um, I specialize in teaching children um, kindergarten through college.
0: Shafia is, in her words, considered the consent lady. She has worked with thousands of children and their families in her role as a teacher, coach, administrator, board member, and outdoor educator. She has contributed to articles to the New York Times, the Washington Post, and a number of parenting blogs, and has written her latest book entitled Sex, Teens, and everything in between.
3: And when I thought about it and thinking about my work with um, these you know, incredibly resilient young people, like what uh, the issues that and what they needed, what they wish they had had, what they really needed, what they were expressing was missing from their lives that would have made a difference for them had to do with relationships and education.
0: Relationships and education. If I were to sum up the theme of this episode, it would be relationships and education. But also that would make a boring title, so we didn't use it. However, who usually does or sex ed?
3: I want. I don't want the you know the PE teacher in the movie Mean Girls, right? Who, <laughs> who's up there? I was like, if you have sex, you know, you will get chlamydia, spells it wrong, and die. Because um, it's not PE teachers are phenomenal. I think they're some of the our heroes, right? Like, and that's not that stereotype in many ways. I mean, we could deconstruct it, but it's not what kids need.
0: Ramma has a funny story about that.
3: Yeah, like I
1: went to a public school my final two years so my junior and senior year, and I think it was like literally my senior year. So I was already eighteen years old. Like I wasn't ten. <laughs> I don't understand this 10 thing. I was eighteen years old. <laughs> it's 18. and you were learning about sex.
0: <laughs> well I' that.
1: Like it was like a health class, so like the health class mm-hmm. for the entire semester and literally one class period. So not like the whole health class, not like multiple class periods. One class period, it was about sex. I don't even remember what was said. Maybe we watched a video, maybe there's some condoms. I don't know, but it was just so uh, absurd that it was one class. It gets more absurd, but uh, the teacher of said health class, the teacher who led the one class period on sex, the teacher who... Supposedly, he was supposed to be my sex educator. His name was Mm -hmm. Coach Seaman.
4: (laughs) (laughs) It's not a joke. It's not a lie. Amazing. Amazing.
3: It's not fair. It's not fair to the gym teacher. It's not fair to the kids. Um, A lot of times, schools will default default to school counselors to teach um, sex education classes. And they are actually, you know, counselors... They're good at keeping, creating safe spaces, but how you actually teach healthy sexuality and relationships...
0: Shafia here makes a good point, because it seems like the default for many caregivers on who is going to give their child a sex education is their teachers. Listen, I love teachers. It's my profession as well. I also know they are not always equipped to give this talk. Some are, honestly. I've seen this done so well by some teachers, and some, well, you know, they wait till they're 18. But I think my dad and my parents, my caregivers were definitely, like, the best person to talk about it. And I think that people that I trusted, like, I think if my friends were just cooler about this word or about, like, just in general, maybe I would have listened a little bit better. Because I think you're right. Like, society just, just does just does this, this sex thing, like, as a taboo. is just really badly. And so does everybody just talks about it badly. And so maybe my parents were the best person to talk about it and maybe then my teacher would be probably the best person just people that i that i knew and trusted like adults that i knew and trusted and were like okay that's cool like we can you know i think that's i think that's why people are doing this better now i think that like i don't know maybe that's where i'm from um you know like i think you know people are still a little bit gun shy to talk about it i know i i have met teachers that were like oh, should I talk about masturbation? And these are like the 14-year-olds. I'm like, yes, you should talk about masturbation to 14-year-olds. They're definitely doing it. Earlier, Ramoy mentioned how he only got one formal sex ed class when he was 18 years old. That's too late. (laughs) But when should sexual education start?
3: You know, there's a way by which we scaffold um, age appropriate, healthy sexuality and relationship education across the developmental stages. And you start from the beginning when you're teaching your young child about like their body parts when you have bath time. Right. Which is an intimate time, by the way. And, you know, because intimacy crosses all kinds of relationships.
0: Or actually brought this up.
3: And like I hear parents talking
1: about like they're having open conversations with their children about their body as soon as possible. And like thinking about something that seems so a little perverse or like a little absurd. Like, you know, what does it mean? Like, Do you allow your child to be naked or like at different stages of their life and like ex- not explore right. their body, but like in- educate them on different parts of their body as they grow up?
0: It's true. This is happening more and more. Starting the conversation as early as possible to open the doors to be open. To start talking objectively about body parts and free of anything being, you know, disgusting or something that's off limits. But what if parents hadn't had that conversation from childhood? What if a young boy is 9 or 10 and hasn't had someone have those open, free conversations? Our Charlie is 10 years old. Can you believe it? And we haven't had the conversation yet.
4: My name is David Bell. I'm Dr. David Bell at Columbia University. I'm a professor in pediatrics and the School of Public Health at Columbia University, uh, Irving Medical Center. And I particularly uh, am known for my work with adolescent and young adult male. This is David. He works at the Young Men's Clinic in New York. In their own words,
0: the Young Men's Clinic promotes the involvement of males in family planning. And they provide services in a male-friendly environment for men between the ages of 14 and 35.
4: So I, I do think the earlier you go, you just usually have to have conversations about anatomy, what's normal, what's functioning is normal. Uh, and sort of that's the starting point, uh, sort of dispelling some of that that can decrease anxiety and sort of worry about whether they're doing things right.
0: Isn't that what we want for our kids? For Charlie? To minimize that anxiety or worry they may feel around anything, especially sex? But then, that begs a question. Who should be doing the sex talk?
3: Sex is sexuality education, gender socialization. Um, sec- sexuality is represented everywhere in our culture and our kids are exposed to it all the time. So if you as the parent are not, ta- or parenting adults are not talking to your kid about sex, you're the only one not talking to your kid about sex. Like the TV is talking to your kid about sex. The music they listen to is talking to your kid about sex. Um, Magazines, billboards, their friends, social media, um, Facebook, all those, all those entities are talking to your kid about sex, the community of faith you belong to, um, your family, your friends. And in this conversation, silence speaks as loud as any words that are verbalized.
0: Shafia is a big fan of caregivers not only helping to have that conversation, to have it often, and to have it in spaces where kids feel comfortable. But, but, well, have I told you how I learned about sex? My dad had a conversation to me when I was 13, and he said, I, I, this is what he said specifically, he said, do you know that you're growing some hair down there? And I was like, yes, yes, <laughs> I noticed that. Thanks, dad. And, and I was, and he's like, cool, if you want to talk to me about anything. And I was like, I probably won't that but thank you. <laughs> dad, if you're listening to this, I love you so much for trying. I do. I really do. But this, <laughs> this wasn't it, man. So Sophia knows that the parents won't know anything or everything either. Just like the teachers. And for that, we have a lot of people in our community, like Shafia, who are prepared to have that conversation.
3: So professional sex educators believe that parents and parenting adults are the, you know, if you, if you don't have, if you're not living with your parents and you have a parenting adult instead, a guardian, um, is the primary sexuality educator in a child's life. And they aren't the only one. Um, that kids need to be hearing this in medically accurate, credible ways, um, with guidance that from, from diff, in different parts of their lives.
0: Yet the conversation around how we talk about sexual education is the same. It goes from teachers or uninformed parents to anyone else. This is especially true for fathers who grew up learning different things about sex.
4: I would say my, in all of my work now, I realize how little adult men know to have the vocabulary to really talk about um, sort of sex in a positive way. That's more educational than uh, lingo around male stuff, like all the male lingo. So I think it's a lot more difficult for fathers in general or uh, surrogate fathers to have that conversation.
0: David himself even recalled this when he was learning about sex as well.
4: Yeah. My, my dad might have been more helpful because he was a doctor as well, uh, but he didn't do it. <laughs> uh, I think it's the norm. Well, I think it was the norm back then. My dad was born in 1920, so his, the role model of how fathers interacted with their sons or their kids in general is very different.
0: Remember Ramoy's story from the open? Where he talked about how movies and TV were supposed to educate him on sex. I mean, if fathers aren't available or aren't educated to educate, what about the socialization through media?
4: Usually brought up and think about many of the the media sort of like whether it's the uh, actors in movies like as the stereotypical guys like doesn't talk has sex with everybody, whether it's James Bond or whoever, and then they kill, they have sex. Usually, sometimes not necessarily in an emotional relationship, sometimes there are. Um, And that's sort of the portrayal of how to be a male in many circumstances.
0: Kids and boys are not only being educated about sex by the culture around them. It's usually done very poorly. And this goes hand in hand with your association of what it means to be a man. David asks us to deconstruct that narrative, especially around how we share our emotions.
4: And so breaking that down uh, to say, hey, what does it mean to sort of really talk and be um, intimate and share your feelings with someone? As guys, we suffer from depression. We suffer from we sort of. Uh, have more successful suicide rates. Uh, We have a lot more anxiety now than we are. We are recognizing more and guys are recognizing uh, to some degree. Um, And it's partly we keep things in and it is human to have emotions. It's human to sort of uh, understand that sharing emotions is healthy it is not feminine and it is not masculine to do so. And if we can get to that point of that understanding of being human and a humanity, that will be so much better for the young people that are young men that are growing up.
0: Sharing your emotions, sharing your feelings. I mean, what does it have to do with sex ed? More on this after the break. This episode of Modern Manhood is brought to you by the Alberta Associations of Optometrists, proudly celebrating a century for caring for Albertans. You know what happens. Parents can easily miss their child's eye problems. Issues can occur in only one eye, making them difficult to notice, or the earlier an eye health or vision problem is identified, the more likely it can be corrected. The ICI Learn program provides an eye exam and free glasses if needed for kindergarten age children. of kids begin first grade with an undiagnosed eye problem, so to book your child's eye exam please visit optometrist.ab.ca. The Alberta Association of Optometrists represents almost 800 doctors of optometry in over 80 communities across the province. Members are highly trained, regulated health professionals who provide primary eye health and visions to Albertans. I love optometrists. I wear glasses all the time. That's all I do is wear glasses. I can't see anything without optometrists. And I know my niece has really benefited from optometry as well too. So I definitely would recommend you going to optometrist.ab.ca. With warmer weather comes yard work. I know this, I did this today. It was a lot of yard work. <laughs> so pruning your trees and shrubs, you know, cleaning your eavesdrops, placing those drafty windows you noticed over the winter and I still got to do that stuff or you know what I can call Rumi. Rumi can take care of all your outdoor and your spring home maintenance while you fire up the barbecue and relax those last few days of fall. Visit rumi.ca that's R-U-M-I.ca, or you can call 1-844-777-7864 and let Rumi's trusted local experts take care of your yard so all you have to do is enjoy it. Earlier, David Bell spoke about how men need to share their emotions and feelings. Ramoy spoke before about how he's seeing better communication between new parents and their children. So how does this all sharing and communication fit into sexual education?
3: And so if we can actually model healthy vulnerability, we're already doing great work.
0: That's where the puzzle pieces come together. Because when we're educating, open, honestly, not like sex is a taboo or something to be scared of, avoid it, or something that's like a dirty joke. We're not only educated about sex. We can say, talking about anything is okay. Nothing's off the table. We can model healthy communicative relationships. But it's not easy
3: parents will come to me and they'll say, I was ready. I had done all my research and I was going to talk to them. And then they went running away, screaming with their hands over their ears. Sometimes the most important conversations are the most difficult ones to have. Or sometimes the most difficult conversations are the most important ones to have. And we, anyone who's in a meaningful relationship knows that. Culture pressures all of us, and we are the culture, right? Like to this effortless perfection And one of the most important things all of us as parents know or parenting adults or teachers know is that the most effective, powerful way to teach something to a a young person is to model it ourselves.
0: This means modeling healthy relationships, not only between educator and child, but between everyone, including in our culture. This really creates open communication channels throughout all
4: relationships.
0: Here's David Bell explaining this again.
4: If you create the space, the guys will open up just saying, This is what's normal. This is what's not. This is, guys shouldn't be expected to be on all the time. So, all the myths about how we can be just machines as far as turning on and off so that they can understand what all of the emotional, socio emotional, and sort of human aspects of sex are. It's true. Sex is biology, and we need to
0: communicate that to our kids early, but that biology has social and emotional effects, not just them as individuals, but on the relationship and our society as a whole. Here's Shafia.
3: So what would you actually say? What would the question sound like? What is a consensual question? What does it start with? Um, You know, you lead anything, and this is good for parents to know, you lead any question with why, and you've already made a judgment. So you want to lead with like how, what, um, so that it's more of an exploration and you're expressing genuine curiosity versus like judgment.
0: It's 2021. Consent goes hand in hand with sex. But consent isn't just biology, like how sex can be. It's a lot more. So it's even more imperative to educate on sex and consent as early as possible.
3: I mean, we need to be talking about consent in gender neutral ways to all children, knowing the names of their body parts, um, being supportive of how their gender is revealing itself and being expressed. That's how you build empathy across the developmental stages, right? Like is appreciating others and recognizing that people are important in our lives and how we treat each other matters. Um, And so, you know... That's what the consent conversation is.
0: And the funny thing is we have the proof that it works because countries besides the U.S. and Canada have tried this. And guess what? Talking about sex doesn't lead to more dangerous sexual activities like, you know, sexual assault or harassment or even things like higher STIs or more unprotected sex.
3: It's it's grounded in a lot of misinformation is people think that somehow if we tell kids about this, they're going to go out and do it. There is no, or it's going to accelerate, it's going to cultivate promiscuity or it's going to accelerate the the time by their decision-making. That's actually not true. In fact, the inverse is true, that we know, there. first of all, there's no empirical evidence whatsoever. And we know this through congressional research. We know this through um, other countries and whole societies that do this differently than we do and what their outcomes are. Um, They are far exceeding us, like the Dutch, um, in that we want to start this early. And that that actually keeps our kids safe. The positive messaging, the empowerment, the bodily autonomy, all those things that we can cultivate from an early age are what are going to keep our kids safe. They're going to be far more relational. They're going to make better decisions in the interest of their and their friends' safety and health. Um, The STI rates in other countries where they start early, you know, age-appropriate sex education, their STI rates are the lowest in the world.
0: But the funny thing is that for sex, we tend to focus on things like STIs, pregnancy rates, sexual misconduct, and things like that. But think about it. What is the major idea that is mostly associated with sex?
3: I'm, I'm like, what about love, right? Like, what about love? Well we all we all want to raise I truly believe that all parents are doing the best they can with what they've got and we all want to raise our kids to to have you know, positive, enriching, loving, caring relationships in their lives. I I mean, I haven't met a parent yet who doesn't wish that for their child. And what we do know through research is that it's actually not their SAT score. It's not these performative achievements. It's not their SAT score, their GPA, or where they go to college that determines their well-being later in life. It's the quality of their relationships that determine the quality of their lives.
0: There is a sense of vulnerability that happens when we talk about sex is I think that it brings this extra baggage of shame behind it. This idea that it's taboo because we're scared to look at it head-on, especially as men. This is true for all the stories we've heard, that the caregivers, especially the fathers, just did not have that knowledge and the skills to create a vulnerable space to communicate properly. I reflected on this myself because my dad did try to have that conversation. But at the same time... I just didn't want to hear it from my dad. <laughs> <All> right? <laughs> so I don't know what would have been the best way. And so I'm just like, you know, what, what would have been like, to me, the most important thing that I would have wanted to know is how my body is changing. And that also like that sex is normal. Like it's fine to think about sex that's, that's, you know, that's not like this taboo thing that everyone needs to hide behind or everybody needs to like, Ooh, you can't say the word, or it's like a forbidden language almost. Um, but that's what I felt like. If if everybody just kind of like chilled about this word, I think it would have been better. You know what I mean? And I wonder, if my dad had the information that I had, would he do it better? Man, I would hope so. Maybe he would focus on not just the idea of sex and the biology, but the relationship and the communication and the love. I mean, that's what I would love to hear. So for Charlie, what do you think about just asking him what he would like to hear? And to give him the best information that we can. And then if you don't know, I mean, let's ask someone until we do. I mean, it's okay to say, I don't know. And it's also okay to say, let's keep talking.
4: So it's it's the whole concept about sex ed, is de- it's developmentally, developmentally appropriate. And that can start with parents early because it happens early. Uh, there are many ways to have start conversations where it's not a taboo subject, but keeps the conversation open. And then school can take it over. Uh, I'd say if they have the right sort of framework to do that, uh, they can take it over and have sort of those conversations and sort of curriculums that support conversations uh, throughout the K to 12 years.
1: These conversations are happening and these cultures are happening, but I think it needs to happen as like systemically or universally. In it. And that's where the challenge is because there's so many like Uh, stakeholders, whether it's educators or educated systems or political systems that kind of have their own agendas, Mm -hmm. which makes it challenging. Totally, But I think, like, it's really cool about, you know, whether it's uh, modern manhood or podcasts or other ways, like, that can communicate different ideas. Like, people can find education, resources, and opportunities to rethink.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's also, like, I think why my 10 years of age may be okay. And also, I think kids are learning... About sex way earlier because of all these like new media that comes up right so it's they're learning about these things they're curious about it and they have at their fingertips all the information that they can learn about it it's i think it's up to us not only to say what the information what makes sense and also what makes sense to them right it's it's not just like googling what's what is sex (laughs) and then just kind of figuring out from there (laughs) And to people like my dad, Ramoy's mom, David's dad, Roger's teachers, and the countless of other teachers and counselors and everybody who tried their best with the culture that they had, well, we just have to say,
1: cheers to that, bro.
0: Yeah, cheers to, cheers to Mr. Steven.
1: (laughs) Coach Steven To Coach Steven Here's
0: the Coach (laughs) Steven You tried my friend You tried (laughs) Mar Manhood is created by Herman Vijegas, Ramoy Phillips Samantha Nsezi, Amanda Wang And Danny Padez With support from the Next Gen Men And the Next Gen Men Circle As well as the Alberta Podcast Network locally-grown, community-supported. Logos were created by Arcade Studio in Calgary, Alberta. Join us next time as we ask, hey, oh, Troy's got the ball in the last minute of the game.